This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Welcome to Harvest. Uh, we are just a, we're a family of Christ followers. The Lord has brought us together, and we found that we're stronger together than we are individually. So we've chosen to link arms to fulfill God's purposes in the earth together. We, we meet in community groups, small groups throughout the week in the community, but we still love Sunday when we're able to come together, hug each other's necks, and worship the Lord together corporately. Amen? You love it? Coming together as the body of Christ? At Harvest, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. Will, you want to say this? He was up here acting like he was me this morning before service. We're just a small expression of the body of Christ. We love God, and so we love people, and we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. What is our vision, Will? It is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And we do that through what? What else can you ask for? What else? <laughs> I heard you say it earlier with that on the screen. You got it, bro. Take the shout out. Guys, for a while now, um, we have been discussing our identity and the responsibility of those in the family of God. Who are those of the family of God? Those who have repented, those who have been crucified with Christ and have chosen to follow him with all of their being. Since, uh, since the first of this year, we've been looking at priorities, haven't you? Haven't we? How many of you have, been, uh, have enjoyed looking at that and gone, you know what, this is so important. We've got to go back. We've got to look at the priorities of our life. We talked about the importance of taking care of ourselves. We love to talk about our spirit, but we don't talk about our soul and our body a lot. Y'all recognize to fulfill God's purpose in the earth, your body is just as important as your spirit. We've got to take care of ourselves. And so we talked about that. We talked about the importance of knowing what our priorities should be and then the, having them in the correct order. How you some know that sometimes order is the most important thing? Why? Because we serve a God who is first. And then we talked about putting first things first and making sure that our actions line up with our values and, and line up with the Word of God. So, so with that said, as, as we've been coming into the new year, we've been looking at these things, you know, as a church, our, one of our primary focuses is community. You know, two years ago, when, when the Lord gave that to me, uh, what Will just said, community, discipleship, and outreach. He's back there talking now. Look at that. All distracted. No, no. Back, back. I'm just playing with you, bro. I'm just playing with you. Um, back then, when I, initially, I'd written down discipleship, community, and outreach. But I felt like the Lord had me change it around, that, that community was first. Because the Bible tells us as we gather together as the body of Christ, iron sharpens iron, right? And I believe that even without trying much, discipleship will begin to slowly become a natural byproduct of that. Now, we need to be intentional about our discipleship as well, don't we? And we go after that. But uh, community, discipleship, and outreach. And so I thought, you know, we need to focus on community a little bit more. And how many of you know that we were made for relationship? It's why we were created. How many of you know as human beings, we are very relational beings? That's why with all that's gone on in the world in the last two years, psychologically, I mean, the world has gone in the dumps. I mean, that suicide and depression rates are, are out the roof. Why? Because of, of all this quarantine and separation, everything else, because we need each other. So I'm sitting here thinking of this, 
and that, that we were made for relationship. And so it's so important that we talk about that. And so I wanted to start a series as we begin, as we've been going, going through here. And I didn't intend to start with this topic really, but it, it kind of shifted a couple weeks ago. And I felt like this is the direction that we needed to go. And part of the reason, interestingly, is, um, guys, we've got to go after the next generation. And even when we just prayed in regards to Josh a few minutes ago, it angers me to see the enemy snuffing out the light of our young people, taking them early before their time. We have got to go after the next generation. There are some pads. The keyboard is playing behind me. So maybe we can mute that. That'd be awesome. Um, And so I'm going to start, I don't know, a three or four week series. And I want to talk about the blessing of parenthood. And if you're not a parent, don't check out right now because you can learn a lot through this. But with that in mind as well, how do you know that part of your responsibility as part of the body of Christ is to be mentoring and investing in the next generation? There is a lack of spiritual, you, you may never be a biological parent, but there are a lack of spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers in the body of Christ today, and the body of Christ is reflecting that. Just like the world, there's a, they say there's a lack of fathers, there's a lack of mothers as well in the world today, and present, present fathers, present mothers in, in people's, in families and homes today, and the world's reflecting that. The body of Christ is reflecting it as well. And so we've got, to, we've got to look at this. We've got to go after it and, and recognize that we have responsibility in this. And so as we go through this series, I invite you, even if you're not a parent, to, to stop and, and say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me through this? Because I guarantee you there are things in this for all of us. Now, think of parenthood. If you're a parent or you know a parent or you have a parent, whatever, how many of you would agree that parenting can be very difficult? It can be very difficult. <laughs> she said, very, very difficult. It can certainly be challenging. And there was a quote by Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, he said this about parenting teenagers. He said, when they're 13 years old, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut and then feed them through the knot hole. He went on to say, when they turn 16, plug the knot hole. <laughs> Guys, parenting can be one of the greatest joys of your life. It can also be one of the greatest challenges of your entire life, especially as you think, see things going the way you didn't intend and you see your kids making decisions that, you know, you're like, what? And they're going off in the right, left field and you're like, you know, oh, it's tough. But hopefully, if you are a parent and you've been raising children, hopefully, you know, there's obviously going to be some negative things that happen, some negative memories. Hopefully you have lots of beautiful memories as well. And that's what we focus on. And hopefully, as parents, you probably have plenty of hilarious, funny memories about your kids. I was was trying to think, I was thinking the other day about how when Lauren was little, you ready for a Lauren story, Lauren? I remember when Lauren was little, she came home from school one day and she told me and Shauna, she said, somebody at school said the S word. And I looked at Shauna, I was like, does she know what the S word is? She's like, I don't know if she knows what the S word is. We said, Lauren, what's the S word? And she says, I can't say. And I was like, no. And she's like, I'll get in trouble. I said, no, you won't this time. You won't get in trouble. Just tell us what. She goes, shut up. <laughs> I was like, yes, that is a terrible word. Don't ever say that again. 
Of course, Aaron, not to be out, not to be outdone, Aaron, a couple years later, we're riding on the car in the car on the way to church one Sunday morning, and he informed us as a little kid that he knew some cuss words. I was like, I was like, do you now? And I'm looking at Sean, and he knows some cuss words. We're like, hmm. and say, what, what cuss words do you know, Aaron? He's like, oh, I can't say. I was like, it's okay, you won't get in trouble. What cuss words do you know? He rattled off three words I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> And Sean and I tried not to look back at him and laugh. We were, <laughs> yes, you're right. Don't say those, please. <laughs> Guys, I want to talk for a few minutes about the priorities of a parent. If you're not yet a parent, or you will be one day, or maybe you're spiritually leading, guiding somebody what is your primary priority? And I'm going I'm to jump to the end of this right now, and I'm just going to give you the statement. I'm, I'm going I'm to go to the end, and I'm just going to tell you right quick. And so you, you may want to write this down or take a picture. By the way, if, if, you're, if you're following along, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 almost completely. We're going to be there today. You can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or your mobile device. Um, you can hit on that. You can hit more. You can hit events, and the notes will automatically pop up, and you can follow along from there as well. But what is the primary, parent, uh, primary priority of a parent? This is it. You ready? The primary priority of a parent is to train up their child in the ways of the Lord, gradually transferring the child's dependence away from the parent until they are fully dependent upon God. Our priority as mom and dad is to gradually transfer their dependence away from us and to see that dependence put upon us. God. Now, how many of you know when they're little, they completely depend on us, right? Completely and totally. And, and sometimes we try to hang on to that. But guys, that's not really what we want. We want to train them until they're not self-sufficient, they're God-sufficient. They're, they're depending on him. Over time, we want to transfer their dependence. They're not dependent on us. They're dependent on the only one who will always be faithful and true in their life. The one who created them and gave them, gave them purpose and that they depend on him. So like I say, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but let me, let me back up from that for just a second. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see Moses giving the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. Now, this is the, 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 the ten big laws, right, that, that God expected everybody to, to live by. And now, it was Exodus 20 where God actually gives Moses the Ten Commandments, right? But, but it's Deuteronomy chapter 5 where we see Moses give these to the people. So in Deuteronomy 5, he gives the people the Ten Commandments, and continues on into Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, it wasn't broken down by chapter and verse back then, right? It, was, it just it flowed. And so he goes on into chapter 6, and that's where we're going to start here with verse 1. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1 says, the, Now these are the commands. Well, what are the commands? The, the Ten Commandments, the, the laws that, that he just read. For us today, that would be the Word of God, right? These are the commands, the decrees, the laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you're crossing across the Jordan to possess. So this is what he's speaking to us today about the word of God. Because, we, we, guys, we're in the promised land as believers. We, we, we are in the kingdom, right? So, so why did he give them to us? Verse 2, so that you your, you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. You see that? Guys, as you teach your children to fear the Lord 
as you teach them to live according to the word of God and to keep his commands, not only will you be changed, but the next generation after you and the generation after that will be impacted and changed. But it's only if we as parents train our children to not depend on us, but to put their dependence wholly on God. He's the one who created them and gave them purpose and loves them. And, and here's what I love about this. I love the fact that God gave each of us the ability to impact generation after generation after us. What a responsibility, right? So how do we do it? We look at this. We see the responsibility. But how do we do it? So Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives us two of, uh, in my opinion, two of the very most important principles and priorities that we can live out as parents. And, 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 and really, I would tell you, if you don't get anything else from this message, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get these two, these two principles, these two priorities. I want you to understand them, embrace them, but then put them into action. Remember we talked about knowledge and we talked about wisdom, how knowledge is the input. It's, it's the things that we learn. It's the things that we read. It's, it, it's, it's what comes into us. But wisdom is the proper application of that knowledge, right? It's putting it into action. And that's what we've got to do with what we learn from the Word of God. So I'm going to give you two things, uh, and I'm talking about how we transfer that dependence from the, of our children from us to God. And I'm, I'm going to give you these two things. And, and, and the first one, number one, is simple. It's to love God. You may be sitting there going, love God. Well, I mean, we're, we're, I thought we were talking about parenthood and, you know, whatever else. I thought we were talking about what I do with my kid. No, you loving God is the absolutely the most important priority to being a parent, to being a godly Christian uh, parent. Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us to love God. If we look at verse 4, actually, if you want to jump down to verse 4, uh, we actually talked about this back in the fall. Uh, in verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, um, was uh, for, for thousands of years, uh, even back in the Old Testament, it was, it was recited three times a day. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 was recited by devout Jews, and it's still recited by them today. And so verse 4 in Hebrew, I, I told you about the Hebrew this last fall, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and when it says the Lord is one, it's, it's not like talking about the, the Trinity or something like that. It's talking about he is like the one, one God. He is the only God for me. He is the only one. He, he, like, you understand what I'm saying? He's Neo from the Matrix, okay? He, uh, <laughs> far beyond. Uh, he is the one. He's the one, okay? And so, so he's, he's talking here about, oh, he says, the Lord is one. And said, in verse 5, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Guys, he's just talking about impacting the generations, the children after you. And now he's talking about loving the one true God, your heavenly Father, with all your heart, soul, and strength. So love the Lord your God with how much? All. Everybody say all. All of your heart, with all of your soul. With all of your strength, not just a little bit. It doesn't say a little bit. It doesn't say with a certain percentage. With all of our heart. And the problem is, I think many people today, we, we love the Lord with a little bit of our heart. And we love a lot of other things with the rest of our heart. And we think that's, we think that's okay. But I would tell you, one of the most dangerous things a parent can do is to raise a child exposing them to a little bit of God. Some parents unknowingly 
do that. They raise their kids with knowing a little bit about God. And then what happens? That child grows older, knowing a little bit about God, but never knowing him intimately and never knowing him personally, never experiencing his power and his goodness and his love in their life. But the Bible teaches us that we are to love God with all of our heart. And how many of you know that what you love does show? It comes out. If you love the Lord of all your heart, it's going to be noticeable. People are going to see it. How many of you know that we live in a world that is uh, really good at distracting us from loving the Lord with all our heart? It's always trying to distract us. And, and I, 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 I think that today, many of us, we raise our kids with this, with this idea in our heads of, well, I know how I was raised and I don't want my kids to go through this and that. And I want them to have more than I did. And, I, and, and you know, this is not going to... And we, we have all these kind of things laid out way before they're ever born. And what we're doing is we're slowly becoming a, this, a child-centered parent. Let me tell you what I mean. We have this, this idea in our mind, which is, is good. But then we... What do we do? We, we try to work 60 hours a week to give them the stuff that we didn't have when we were younger. Right? So we're, we're not even present because we're working so hard to try to give them more stuff. When in reality, what they really need is a deeper, more intimate relationship with their Heavenly Father. Um, you know, we, we go out of our way to give them every opportunity. So what do we do? We start when they're three and four and five years old and we sign them up for football and soccer and dance and ballet and gymnastics. And next thing you know, we have filled their schedule up so full that they're getting stressed out, and we've left out the things that are very most important. We work hard to have a nice, safe car to transport them around in. They turn 16, and we spend money we don't have to get them a car that matches up, and it's just as nice as their friends, because they can't have a car that's not nice as their friends. That would be child abuse, you know. And, and, and then we, we, we figure out, you know, we, we start pushing them toward a certain profession, and, we, and, and, you know, we're spending boatloads on their education, or we help them get loans that they're going to be paying for a quarter of a century trying to pay off. We become, if we're not careful, we become these child-centered parents where the child is the center of our world instead of being God-centered parents and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Our, our lives revolving around our children instead of revolving around God and his purposes. Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with many of those things I just said. There's nothing wrong with sports and extracurricular activities. The problem is, you know, in, in, in our position, you know, we've seen so many that, you know, uh, we've seen kids who are active in the youth group and all of a sudden they're gone for three months because they signed up for a sport. And it's like, wow, goodness, man, that's tough. You know, uh, we, we, we worked hard to make sure our kids didn't sign up for stuff. We didn't allow them to sign up for stuff that was going to make them have to miss church and pull back you know, from that. Uh, not that we were being legalistic. They might have to miss for a tournament or, or something here and there occasionally, but they knew not to ask often because, you know, that, that, just, that just wasn't going to fly. I remember my parents, they, didn't, they allowed me to get a job when I turned 16, but I knew I, I better find a job where I, I don't have to pull back from the things of the Lord and I don't have to miss church because I knew I would have to quit if, if I did. And, you know, it was important to, to keep that first. I, I mean, I even knew as a kid, I, I, I knew better than to go ask to spend the night at somebody else's house on a Saturday night knowing I'd miss church on Sunday. And the answer was going to be, no, are you crazy? We're going to church, right? I think too many families are allowing their kids to become too busy 
and in many ways too busy for God. And then years, years later, wondering why their kids aren't following God. All perplexed. Like, what happened? In reality, what's happened is, you know, we, we've just, we, we set a precedence. And now they're, they're just simply living out what they were taught. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be heavy, guys. Oh, uh, Pastor Troy, you know, he spoke here a couple weeks ago from City Church. And he put this, uh, this, he put this picture up on, on Facebook. And uh, some of you may have, may have seen it, but... Is it up there? No. There it is. I thought that is absolutely true. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, your children will follow your example. How many of you remember a time, if you've got kids, how many of you remember a time when your kids said something one day, they were real small, and they said a word came out of their mouth, and you were like, where did they hear that word? And then you were like, I said that in front of them the other day. Guys, our kids, they follow our example. They're watching. They're closely watching. Speaking of church, there were some stats I found. This was from 2016, and I bet these stats are even more tough today. But the statistics, this thing came back and said, in homes where mom and dad both went to church regularly, 72% of kids will make church a priority as adults. I was like, okay, that's not too bad. But in the next one, in homes where only mom went to church, 15% of kids will make church a priority as adults. Yikes. Now, let me show you something else. In homes where only dad went to church, 55% of kids will make church priority as adults. Guys, fathers are so important. That's a whole other message. In homes, last one, in homes where neither mom nor dad went to church, only 6% of kids will make church priority as adults. They are watching. They will follow your example. So let me ask, parents, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart or do you love him a little bit? Because the most important priority for an adult is to love God with all your heart because your children will follow in like manner. Our kids don't need some or just a little bit. They need to be all in. They need the whole counsel of God. They are examining. They're observing everything that we do. So let me ask you. I was just thinking. If your kids are in your home and they're observing you and watching what you do, what if if I could step into your home for just one day and observe just like your kids do? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? What would I see regarding your commitment and love for the Lord through the words that you speak and what comes out of your mouth? At home. When it comes to your commitment and love for God, what, what would I see if I looked at what you're filling yourself what you're with, what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to? When I see, what would I see regarding your commitment and love for the Lord if I looked at where you were putting all of your, your finances, what you, where, where, where your money was going? What would I see regarding your commitment for the Lord if I observed how you're treating your spouse behind closed doors? Your children are watching. What would I see regarding your love and commitment for the Lord if I saw who you really were? Not who you hope to be, not who you pretend to be, but who you really, truly are. Because that's who your children will become. Isn't it true? We know these things. I'm not telling you anything new, am I? 
They're watching. As parents, the best thing that we can do for our children is to love God with all of our hearts and let it show through every area of our life. So that's number one, love God. And the second thing Deuteronomy chapter 6 teaches us, number two, is you must lead your family. Now I want to break this down for a minute. We must lead our family. People don't like to lead today. You know why? Because there's accountability. You ever been following somebody in a car, you got a little caravan of cars going, and somebody makes the wrong turn at the front, and it's like, oh. Everybody's trying to find a place to turn around, and you're like, what did they do? Can they not read a map? What's the... When you lead, there's accountability, right? And so nobody today wants to lead. They're like, somebody else go, you know? Go, go do your thing. But we have the responsibility of leading our families. And we're, how many of you know, and we're hold, held responsible and accountable before God for that, right? Next verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse 6. So these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. What's it say in that verse 7? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. What are we to do with the principles of God's word? We're to impress them upon our children. We're to talk about them while we are sitting at home. We're to talk about them while we walk along the road. And most of us probably drove here today. Uh, when you're driving them to school, you're driving them to baseball practice. Guys, we're to talk about them. We're to talk about God's principles, God's word, when, when, when we put them to bed and when we get them up in the morning. We are to lead our family spiritually. This is supposed to be part of our everyday life. This isn't something that we do at church or on the way to church on Sunday. This is supposed to be an everyday part of our life, leading spiritually. It's to be a part of our lives seven days a week. It's to be a part of everything that we have going on in this life. We're to lead our children spiritually. We are the leaders. I thought this was funny. Uh, Ed, it's not real funny, actually. Edward, the Duke of Windsor, said this. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. Well, parents, are you leading the home or are your children leading the home? Because I see a lot of homes where the children are the ones that are leading, that are leading the family. We are the ones to lead spiritually. We are the ones to set the tone. You are the one that has been given divine authority by God in your household. Amen? Well, how do you lead? Well, this looks a little different for for all of us, but first and foremost, we lead according to the principles of the Word of God. That is non-negotiable. We don't stray from it. We don't compromise it in any way. Everything we do is to line up with the principles of the Word of God, right? Now, you know, with this, I'd say if you're going to be an effective leader, the effective leader in your home that you should be, then you've got to lead intentionally. How many of you know that being a godly leader in your home is not something that's going to happen by accident. You have to lead consciously. You have to lead on purpose. You can't wing it. You can't just respond as life happens. You, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have guiding principles that you're living by and that you're leading by. You take the reins and you lead intentionally according to the word of God. Now, again, as we move through this, it's going to look a little different for all of us. 
Why? Because we're all different. Our families look different. And there's different philosophies for parenting, right? And I would say that's okay as long as the word of God is the foundation for it. Our parenting, Sean and I, our parenting philosophy is probably a bit different than yours. Why? Because our life looks different than yours. You know, pastoring the church can be a bit demanding at times. My business requires some flexibility. Our lives are different. And so we've probably done some things differently. But I wanted to spend the next few minutes. Now I want to tell you a little bit of our parenting philosophy. And, and things that we decided even before, oh, my kids are already cringing. Things that we decided, things that we decided before Lauren was even born, as, as Sean and I talked, and things that, that I remember us talking about that were going to be just part of our parenting philosophy and things that we were going to go. Now listen. It, it morphed along the way, okay? You learn as you go, right? And we jacked it up plenty of times. We jacked it up plenty of times. And sometimes, sometimes not exactly on the same page. Sometimes a little lazy in our parenting. Sometimes losing the temper some. Anybody ever been there? Okay, most of us. But I want to give you a little bit of, I just, I just jotted down some notes on some things I was thinking there. Going back to the church thing for just a minute. Serving God and being part of the body of Christ and going to church was never an option in our family from day one. What an option. They never, because from, we did this from day one, they, they never asked to miss. It's part of our life and who we are. You're part of the body of Christ. We, we gather together. And so they knew that we were going to be at church every time the doors were open. And they knew they would be at every kid's event and every youth event and, and, and anything else. And, well, you know, some kid. Well, I, I don't have any friends there. Well, that's too bad. Let's suck it up and get some. Come on. Let's go. We can get some friends. Right? Um, we read the word to our kids. We prayed over them almost every night. And we put them to bed as, as, as young kids. Um, and we prayed that they would sleep soundly. They'd have sweet, dream, sweet dreams. They'd wake up refreshed. We prayed for them every day as, as when we would take them to school. We prayed. We prayed that they would be diligent. They'd be a blessing to their teachers. That they would be a godly example. We decided from day one that we were not changing our lifestyle because a child was joining our family. Right before Lauren was born, Sean and I had this talk. And we were like, you know, we're not joining her family. She's joining our family. And we know what God has called us to. And so we decided that we were not, that she was going to have to adapt to our routines and our schedules and our way of doing things. And, 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 we, and we weren't, I don't believe that we were harsh. I don't think. She'll tell me later. I don't think we were harsh, but we also refused to baby them. She did say amen to that. Praise the Lord. Because we knew that if we were too hard on them, we would wound them. But guys, we also knew that if you're too soft on them and you baby them, in the long run, you can cause just as much damage. They won't be ready for anything that the world throws at them. We decided early on that we were not going to have kids that cried when mom and dad didn't hold them. They, I mean, in, in, in very early on, I mean, it was like they, they had to learn that we weren't picking them up simply because they cried. It wasn't going to happen. We, um, they... They learned that other folks that we trusted were going to take care of them sometimes and they would have to behave. They learned to be self-sufficient and they learned that we were not there to entertain them. Our two girls were home educated in high school 
And we did not do that because we were afraid of the influence of the world. We did not do that because we were afraid of what was being taught at school. No, we trusted what we were teaching them from the Word of God. I did not feel like that was a good enough reason to homeschool them. We homeschooled them because of demanding schedules. And, you know, and, and in that, we, we recognized it would be easier on them and easier on us. And we recognized that they were self-motivated enough to do it well. And so we also recognized it would give them more opportunities. And guys, they did fine. They did good. They thrived in that. Lawrence graduated from college. Madison's a junior-ish at the University of Memphis. Junior-ish. Now, we also had to recognize along this and adapt and recognize that homeschooling is not for everyone. <laughs> Wasn't a good fit for Aaron. Or his mom. And he thrived at Olive Branch High School, where he has graduated. We read to our books, we, we, we read to our books, we read to our kids when they were younger to try to instill a love for reading. Lauren loves to read to this day. Every birthday and Christmas, she wants books. It's what's on her list. <laughs> Madison, uh, not so much a reader. But she can do it. She doesn't cringe. She doesn't go, oh, gosh, that's a big book. I can't read that. She, she has no problem. She, goes, she reads for school and, and the word and, you know, and, and all those kind of things. Aaron reads. Of course, he had to do so to, for video game time. And so that was one of the rules is he had, he had to read this long to play video games each day. And so, he, man, he read through. How many books did you read as a kid? Too many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we refused to raise kids that couldn't read. We didn't raise our kids according to what was popular, culturally acceptable. Just because culture went one way, we didn't automatically go that way. It was, it was very common, like I said a few minutes ago, to get our kids, and get kids enrolled in activities at three and four and five years old. And we were like, no, no, no. It's, uh, I mean, they got started, but, you know, five, six years old, they, you know, like play soccer or something like that. But, but another thing that we did, we decided that our kids would only play one activity at a time. They, if it was a sport. They would play only one, only have one extracurricular activity because I know some folks that, I mean, their kids are in three and four and they got three and four kids. It's like, Lord have mercy. When do you sleep? But, but we also required that they finish what they started. They were not allowed in the middle of a season to go, oh, I hate this and I don't like the coach and I quit. No, I, I, it's okay to not like and decide I'm not going to do this next time, but you made a commitment you're going to finish what you started. We decided early on that we weren't going to bail our kids out of every uncomfortable situation. Instead, we we're going to teach them how to handle them and deal with them. Somebody making fun of them or a teacher being rude to them was not good enough reason for us to go running to their rescue. Why? Because they were going to encounter these things as soon as we walked away. They were going to encounter these things in the world. They needed to know how to handle them. They needed to know how to navigate that themselves. So we taught them how to deal with it. Obviously, things got really bad. We intervened, but I, I can't even think of a situation where we really did that. Maybe once, you know? Our kids rarely spent the night at other kids' houses. We didn't know what was happening in that house. We knew what was happening in ours. It was like, eh, they can come to our house. Because we know what's happening here. You know, we, we know this is going to be a godly, godly influence. We, it was kind of one of the standards from the beginning, and it was never really questioned. We taught them to, to intentionally taught them to, to prefer others, to, to love their neighbor as herself. Others come first. We taught them from day one to be givers. Some folks thought it was ridiculous that, that we taught them as, I mean, as, you know, little kids to give a tithe, an offering, out of their birthday and Christmas money. Guys, today... And they never questioned it. We never made them one time. We never made them do it. Today, they're far bigger givers than Sean and I ever were at their age. 
All of them. They all give tithes and offerings well beyond we ever did. And they give to others as well. We, have, we decided we'd have regular family nights, and we still do that when we can. We get together, we play games, we, we eat together, we watch a movie, and, and we still do that as schedules allow. But I, I think that they would all agree that we love those times. And, you know, it's... Um, I, I ain't got to the point to where with our kids sometimes they'd get invited to go places with friends, and they would stop and ask us what we were doing. Because if we were free, they wanted us to do something together as a family instead. It was being intentional. Our kids also knew that they were not the first priority in our lives. They knew that God was first, Sean and I were second, and they were third. And because of that, they were rarely ever able to bring a wedge between us. Um, They knew that we stood together and that we were a team. And they know that every week, Sean and I have a date day. It's our day together. It's not our day with them. It's It's our day together. We feel that it was important, felt it was important to model a godly marriage and protect the integrity of our marriage. They need to know that we're not child-centered parents. We're a God-centered marriage. And they need to see it modeled. Why? Because one day, they're going to encounter somebody who is their potential spouse. And I want their very first question to be, is this someone who loves and fears the Lord? And if the answer is no, I want them to say, that's a shame. See ya. Bye. I want them to know how a man's to treat a woman, how a woman's to treat a man. We, and, and we have the responsibility to live that example before them. That's about it. We didn't always let them do the things our friends did. I was always checking the contents of movies and TV shows and things they were watching. They loved that. Sometimes they'd say, well, but my friends, well, you're not your friends and we're not their parents. Right? And, and by the way, I can see where your friends are already headed and you're not going that way. Guys, again, don't get me wrong, we jacked it up sometimes. We, we royally did and we messed it up. And, and, and there's, I'm sure there's plenty of things that we would do differently today. And we did lose our tempers at times and we were lazy with our parenting at times. And, but I feel that more often than not, our parenting was based on the Word of God. And, you know, we, um, I would just tell you this. Parents, if, you're, if your heart is, is wholly surrendered to God, you are in charge. And just because somebody else is doing it, just because some organization writes a book on parenting, that's not necessarily the standard for your family, right? You're not to be so concerned with your child's immediate happiness as you are with their holiness and their wholehearted pursuit of God with their life. Sometimes they're not going to like you very much. And some parents can't stand that. And the parents that can't stand that, if you stop and you think about it for a moment, what you've done is you've made it about you instead of about your child, right? Well, I just got to be their friend. You're making it about you. You're not making it about them. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child, I think at different points my parents had me write this like 200 times. And, and the word train, um, that's translated train, is, is an old Hebrew word, and it's the Hebrew word chanak. And chanak means, it means to initiate, to dedicate, or to train. 
But you know, actually, if you go back to the root of the word chanak, it actually refers to the palate of the mouth. Have you ever heard this before? It's very interesting. Chanak refers to the palate of the mouth. And so what would happen is, back in Old Testament days, an Israelite woman would have a baby. And they, they, had, they had midwives back then. The, the, Hebrew, the midwife would come in, and she would deliver the baby, and she would take her finger, and she would dip it in a paste, and she would touch it to the palate, the roof of that baby's mouth. And it would initiate something. The baby, they would immediately hand the baby to the mother, and the baby would start going, and would immediately begin nursing. They believed it helped initiate nursing, giving the child, feeding it the nutrients it needed to grow and to be healthy. Well, guys, I would tell you that what we do as parents, it is chonak. It's the same thing. Um, we, we initiate we dedicate, we train our children in the way that they are to go. And what we do is we're initiating a crave, a desire for righteous and holy living before God. And eventually, as they live that out, they will see the positive results of it. And they'll see that godly living actually works. And their dependence on us will begin shifting over to dependence on God. You see it? How do we do it? We love God with all our hearts, allowing that to shine through as a core value in our life, in our family. And then we intentionally lead our families by example. You are the one to lead. God placed you in that role. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You lead. Train them up. I had a quick list for a close. Um, from Hebrews, um, it's a, a quick list of, of Proverbs that point out a few of the things as parents that we need to train into our children. I'll put those on the screen real quick. Uh, number one, we're to train them to manage God's money from Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. We're to train them to carefully select their friends, Proverbs 13, 20. We're to train them to watch their words, Proverbs 4, 24. We're to train them to be responsible, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. We're to train them to guard their minds, Proverbs 23, 23, 7. And we're to train them to be generous, Proverbs 11, 25, and then last one, we're to train them to fear God, Proverbs 1-7. There's a lot of other things that go along with that as well, but guys, this should be an overflow from our own life because we're doing these things. We are living the example before them. Guys, here at Harvest, we're, we're serious about the next generation, about our young people, our children, our youth, our young adults. And that's why we put so much emphasis on it. And let me say, when I say that, older folks, again, it no, not at all, it doesn't exclude you at all. If anything, it puts more responsibility on you to invest in those who are coming up behind you. Our vision is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And that applies to our children. But as I close, I, I want to say this, if I can be real frank for a moment. Guys, as a church, as a pastor, as a church, it's, it's not our job to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. I see parents whose kids go off track and they'll think, and they'll think the church failed me. Guys, it's, it's not the church's job to raise your children, right? It's not even the church's job to, you know, to, to make sure that, that, uh, that your, your children, you know, put their faith and, and hope in Jesus, We'll help along the way, but it's your job. It's your job to train them. It's your job to make sure they become fully devoted followers of Christ. I hear parents, one of the things that bugs me more than anything, 
especially when Sean and I were youth pastors, when, when I'd hear a parent say, well, I would never make my kids read the Bible, and I would never make them come to church because I want their faith to be their decision, and I want them to find God for themselves. Are you crazy? God gave you this child to steward, to train in the ways of the Lord. He promises that if you do it, those things will never depart from them. What are you talking about? Let them find God for themselves? No way. That's stepping back again and refusing to be the leader. Step up, guys. We have got to lead this next generation. It's our job to lead. And you will be successful if you love the Lord your God with all your heart. You will be successful if you lead by example and you lead intentionally. And guys, we've got to repeatedly expose our children to the truth of God's word. We've got to expose them to his presence and his power and his goodness. We have got to teach them to pray. We've got to teach them to find answers in God's word. We need to get them filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to teach them how to hear the voice of God. And when you do those things, you will begin to see your child's dependence shift from you and onto God. Slowly but surely. And they will be ready for whatever the world throws at them. They will navigate in victory. Oh, and I wanted to say this too. It does not mean that one of your children may not drift off for a season. Doesn't mean that they might not make some mistakes. But you can stand on the promise of God's word. You can say, Lord, you said if I trained them in your ways, they would not depart from it. And you can call the prodigals home. How many of you have seen a child, you've had a child or somebody in your life who drifted away from God for a little while and came back? Nobody? I've seen lots. I'll raise seven. Gosh, that's sad. Sometimes I feel like we're losing the next generation and the enemy is trying to snuff out their light and their purpose, but we've got to intentionally lead our families. We've got to lead those around us to Jesus, and it's not going to happen by accident. Amen? What a huge responsibility. What an honor that God would give us somebody to invest in and to pour in into and to raise up to be passionate followers of Christ. What an honor. Amen? I mean, let's stand up together, and I want to invite the worship team to come up as we close. And guys, we'll continue on this next week. We'll keep talking about, about the, the, the blessing of, of parenthood. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. Guys, I, first and foremost, there is a heavenly father that desperately wants relationship with you. I don't know what your earthly father may have done. I don't know what he may have done that may have wounded you or made you feel abandoned. But our heavenly father will never abandon you. He will never fail you. He will always be faithful and true. He's always there to pick you up when you fall. He loves you so much. 
If you haven't said yes to Jesus, that is the most important decision you can ever make in your life. The Father loved you so much, and even though you were under the curse of sin, even though you were dead and lost, he looked down and he loved you, and he sent Jesus. Jesus willingly came, and he paid a debt that you couldn't repay in a thousand lifetimes. You were utterly bankrupt. And Jesus came and he died the most excruciating death, allowing his blood to be poured out to pay your debt, that you could be free, that you could have relationship with the Father again. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, this is your moment. I don't care if you've prayed a prayer before, guys, we... It's not about the prayer. It's about the posture of your heart. It's about truly being repentant, turning from your old way and saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you forever. You're going to be the Lord of my life from this point onward. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to say what you say. I'm going to do what you want. I'm not turning back. With every head bowed, if, that's, if there's anybody in this place that would say, I need Jesus today. Just lift up your hand. Let me see. Anybody here and say, I need Jesus? You may be watching online. Whether it's today or tomorrow or next year, it doesn't matter. Holy Spirit is there right now, and he's drawing, and you feel his conviction. And you know it's time to make a change. You know it's time to say yes. You know it's time to bow your heart, surrender your life, and say yes to Jesus. Guys, it's not a decision for today. You're going to leave from this moment after you pray and you ask Jesus to come in your life, you're going to, something's going to change. The Bible says you become a brand new creation. The old things are passed away and all things become new. Guys, eternal life doesn't start in heaven. It starts the moment you say yes to Jesus. All of God's promises are available to you. They are yes and amen the moment you say yes to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need him in this life. I don't want to navigate a second without him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer. If you want to, you can pray along with me. You can pray your own prayer. It's between you and the Lord. But if you mean it with all your heart, this is the most important moment of your life. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I've lived my life for myself for far too long. I recognize that I am lost and alone, utterly bankrupt. Oh, a debt I can never repay. And today I say, I need you, Jesus. I need you to save me. Lord, I repent for thinking I knew what was best. I, renew, I repent for, for living for myself. And today I choose to follow you. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my savior be the captain of this ship. Take the reins. I'm going to follow you every day to the end. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me. That I can be everything you called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, I want to talk to you afterwards. Come, come talk to me. If you didn't fill out your connection card, do that. We got a place on there to, to, to mark I, I gave my life to Christ or I rededicated my life or I want to be water baptized. We'll get that scheduled. Or come down and tell one of the prayer partners. They'll be down front in just a moment. 
most important decision you'll ever make. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices in the moment one person says yes to Jesus. But you're not meant to walk this life alone. That's what we're here for. God gave us each other. So come and tell somebody here in just a moment. But guys, actually bow your heads for another moment. Let me ask you, how are you leading? How are you doing as a parent? How are you doing as a mentor? How are you doing as a friend? Are those folks following, are you following them or are they following you? You're called to be the godly example. And you start by loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Let me ask you. Straight up, ask yourself, do I love the Lord with all my heart? Or have I just been loving him a little bit? Have I only been giving him a small portion, a small corner of my heart, and given the rest to other things? Guys, if that's you, I just encourage you right now, just, just repent before the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I, I repent for not giving you everything. I repent for holding back so much for so long. I repent for not leading my family by example. Guys, and let me say this too. Do not allow a moment of condemnation. In moments like these, with this kind of message, the enemy will come in. You may have grown kids. They'll be like, look, see, maybe uh, you, you, you didn't do very good. You know, you could have done this different. You could have done that different. You need to turn around and you need to tell the devil the S word. Shut up. Shut up. You know what you've got, parent? Even if your child is off track and going off to the left or the right, you've got today. Love God with all your heart and lead by example. Well, they won't hear me. They, I, they're grown now and I can't speak into them. Love them from a distance. Pray for them every single day. Press in and intercede and stand in the gap for them and call them home. In Jesus' name. Be the parent now, even if you weren't 15, 20, 30 years ago. Be the person, be the parent, be the leader God called you to be. Step into it. Don't allow the enemy to beat you up over your mistakes. We all made mistakes along the way. You need to repent, repent of them. And move on and take advantage of today, what God has given you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And lead by example. Don't let them steal another moment. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866 866- Three eight three eight two seven seven. You are Lord of my sin.